It's five o'clock. It's five o'clock on the most listened to sports talk show for your ride home. What? It is time for the Falcons report. Guns it. Caught. Touchdown Atlanta in the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. You shall not pass. The five o'clock Falcons report. Oh, my heaven. The five o'clock Falcons report is brought to you by Jack Daniels. Make it count. Jack Daniels. Please drink responsibly. And sponsored by MD Anderson Cancer Center on Dukes and Bell. We are Dukes and Bell. We start off every day and every hour by saying, hey, man. Glad to have you listening on a Tuesday. It's a beautiful day in the A. Hawks back in action tonight. We're going to talk about it coming up in 15 minutes. Trey's averaging 2.2 made three-pointers a game. He's giving you 27 points. Mike, he's shooting uh, 32.6% from beyond the arc. I'd love Mm. to see that number come up. This this you know this run this twenty games or maybe thirty five thirty six percent, and but, maybe with Snyder he gets more three point maybe the things we thought we were going to get from the jump with the, him and Dejounte comes yeah Dejounte's averaging twenty one a game five rebounds six rebounds really six assists um, I'd like to see us continue to win the Wizards are a very winnable game we're going to talk about it coming up in fifteen minutes Mike let's talk about what the plan is let me ask you this what is your plan. My plan? For the Falcons. What's your plan? If I can't find a trade partner to move up to get the Jalen Carter or the uh, Will Anderson, which, again, that's really not likely, then I'm going to take the best edge rusher available. Because okay. edge rusher is the immediate need. Unless Now, again, a lot of this is predicated on what happens in free agency. So that's, you know, you have the caveat being, hey, we may find a, an impact edge rusher that, uh, you know, it's getting not a lot of edge rushers are considered elite, but maybe you find a guy who fits. But if you don't, then it's either defensive tackle or it's edge rush for me. Because D-tackle, we talked about the depth and the rotation teams like the Eagles have used and the Giants have used, and we've never had that ability. Then it, you can make Ebicati better. You could argue all those other guys, D'Angelo Malone, come around. But with all due respect to those guys, maybe there's something better in this year's draft in that eighth pick. What? So i got to go edge rush. Okay. Edge rush is number all one. All right, so that's your plan for the draft. What's your plan for free agency? Give me your target position. I'm going to go D-tackle. I'm going <sighs> to... I'll hold my nose, but I'll give McGarry an extension. But it's okay. got to be okay. It's gotta, I told you, fifty million, forty million. Uh, it's gonna. I'm not gonna be happy doing that. I'm gonna try to find another. It's not eighty million. I guess I'm gonna keep it Rashawn Evans. I gotta sign him, right? Yeah, I think they are, I th- and, and I uh, think they should. By the way, I'm still not sold on re-signing Lorenzo Carter unless it's a team-friendly deal because I just don't think he gets enough sacks. Okay, and maybe again that will that will get better when you get something, but somebody in the middle next to Grady. All right, but then and, and then I would imagine. Uh, or, or I'm going to dedicate offensive tackle by trading back in the first round, or just going offensive tackle in the second round. But I got to get I've got to get some uh, some depth for the O line too. All right, first things first, and that is how do we spend this money? If you're just joining us for the first time today, welcome. It's Dukes and Bell at Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, Atlanta's number one sports station. It's number one sports show. Marcus Mariota let go today. It helps us with the cap, guys. We get more money to spend. We're saving twelve million dollars, as one of our listeners said on Twitter. <laughs> Ty Gray, Dukes, he wasn't that good. No, he wasn't. Um, but, guys, I think it was the way that it ended that made this decision very easy. If Marcus had played the game and said, hey, I'm here to support Desmond Ritter, well, whatever the team needs, instead he wanted to take his ball and go home. Mike, it became a very easy decision for the Falcons. And i got to be honest, I think you heard his brand in the end. I think the league knows what happened around here. I think he could have come and been a, you know, maybe renegotiate, take a little bit off and, and make a little bit less, but still be a sturdy backup. It doesn't break the bank, which I think is what we all wanted. Didn't happen. Mariota was exactly what I said, Carl. You and I went around about it. I just thought the ceiling was low. He's so inconsistent. And basically everything we got in those games he played was everything you'd seen before in his career in Tennessee. No, It's just what he is. Listen, it, it wasn't Nostradukas this time. You were right on. 
I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt because, Mike, I kept saying, is he going to get better? And then we got to week six, and then week eight, and then we get to week ten, and nothing had changed as far as when you looked at the numbers, they didn't trust him. They didn't allow Marcus Mariota to throw 40 times a game. That wasn't how this team was built. And then when we were limited offensively because of that, and then the Pitts injury, and again, that's not his fault, but the fact is, if you are a great quarterback, you elevate guys. You make guys around you better. Everybody talking about, you know, Alameda Zacchaeus and how they're working out and all this. He didn't elevate Alameda Zacchaeus. No. He's, the only thing about him is the inconsistency. There's times where he, things would be, maybe break down in the backfield, and when he would scramble, he could be really effective. He could put the ball on the button. But when he had time to throw, quizzically, he would overthrow Drake London. He would, you need a stepladder to get to some of those things. Him and Pitts never got on a, any kind of solid connection before Pitts got injured, and he never got a connection with Drake. First thing is free agency. How do we spend this money? Spend it wisely. That's why I asked Mike, what's your position target? The stuff that Mike and I are talking about right now is the same things the Falcons are talking about. These are the conversations Terry Fontenot is having with his entire staff, the scouting staff, the head coach, and Arthur Smith. These are the same decisions. Okay, well, what's our target? What are we trying to do here? Because what gets us better the fastest way possible? Here's what Terry Fontenot said about Ryan Nielsen. He's our new defensive coordinator as to uh, him being a part of the decision-making process. Yeah, it's really fun. And, and, and Nielsen, when, when I think about a guy like him, I think about what we have in our culture and our types of coaches, and it's, it's all about development and competitiveness. That's we always talk about our culture, development and competitiveness, and that's who Ryan Nielsen is. He's the, the same things that we preach, the same things that we've been talking about for the last two years. Those are the things he's all about. And you'll see him on the practice field. That's his favorite he loves to get out there and work the guys and, and, and he loves for the guys to go out and compete and it doesn't matter how you got there it, it, it doesn't matter if you're a top draft pick a high paid free agent or if you're an undrafted guy it doesn't matter how you got there if you're willing to come in and put in the work every day then you're going to have an opportunity and so love ryan he's what we're all about and um we're going to definitely have a lot of competition we're going to definitely develop players here you trust terry Fontenot? yeah I mean, two two years of drafts. Dalman is a mid-round pick who's a starter at center. We've uh, already talked about uh, Richie Grant, which I still think. I, I see how much of Richie Grant do you say he'd be so much better if we actually had a pass rush? Yes. And you put any safety in his second year in the NFL without a pass rush, he's gonna you know look like Richie Grant. I think the athleticism, the ball hawking thing, it, you see spurts of it, but you don't see it consistently. So, the, the, and of course, Pitts was in a, Pitts was a Pro Bowler, then got hurt. Drake London looks to be the fit. I know it wasn't a popular decision on draft night at Mercedes-Benz, but you see the skills. And then there was a run on wide receiver. You had to get one at some point. I think we have to trust him until we can't. We won't know that for a while. I think we have to, Mike. I'm with you. I, I, listen, I've had people ask me, well, how do you trust him? Look what he's done. And I'm like, look what he's done. He inherited crap. Right. He inherited a complete crap show. I mean, we all forget when he got the job, the whole Matt Ryan situation was playing out, the Julio situation was playing out, behind closed doors, the Calvin Ridley situation was playing out. Right. We didn't know all of that until it actually hit the fan. So he inherits a crap situation. And oh, by the way, the bosses say, and we don't have any money for you to go right. make this team better. Okay. Thank you. So we have to chill. We got to go and take our beatings and our lumps right. until you can try to fix this. This is the first year that he can actually try to fix this. Not last year. That was a gap year. Mike said it. Oh, well, who are we gonna, who's going to play quarterback? Let's just go get Marcus Mariota. This is the first year. I'm going to wait and reserve judgment. I mm. think we have to trust him. To all the folks out there who say, well, what is this general manager, and what's he doing, and what has he done? 
He hadn't been able to do a whole lot. Now this door opens up, Mike, and over the next couple of seasons, through the moves he'll make in the offseason, his drafts, we're going to see how much better this team gets. Do we all agree that Arthur Smith can coach? Then let us get some better players. Right. I know that uh, this one is certainly going to be whatever you said and we just discussed, what you think Terry Fano has done. This is going to be the year, that I think the year, not just because it's free agency and it's the draft. Both. That really does sort of become, you know, this is the one we're going to say, we nailed it, we reset the franchise, or boy, do we screw this thing up. Or, like most things Atlanta, it's going to be middle of the road and we can debate it and argue <laughs> about it for 20 years. But no, I just, I think with fans, you look at the names. We've already talked about Deron Payne was one that Bo Morgan, our producer, put out there. Yeah, okay, this other defensive tackles. Hargrave, 30, in his prime, rock star. But is going to be a fortune. The thing is, as soon as we start doing some of these big ticket items... And there's no Groupon in free agency, no. Carl. Everybody is overvalued. That's why McGarry is worth so much, despite what we think are his limitations. Coming up, what did Landry Fields say about Quinn Snyder? That's our general manager for the Atlanta Hawks. And then what did Quinn Snyder say about Trey Young? The strong arm story of the day is brought to you by John Foyt Associates Personal Injury Law. There's been no bigger story in our city over the last week and a half than the Atlanta Hawks. They move on from Nate McMillan. They hire Quinn Snyder. Coach Quinn came on our show yesterday. Uh, full interviews online at odyssey.com. And a couple of things that stood out to Mike and I um, along the way was the way that he described what he wants to build with Trey Young. Uh, Landry Fields, the general manager, also spoke about the partnership with the head coach and what he wants that to be. Tonight, Hawks, Wizards. Let's hear Landry Fields about this partnership that they want to build. Everything that... We've spoken about from a front office, you know, the vision of being a championship caliber franchise, the values of character and unity and placing a strong emphasis on development. That doesn't just happen overnight. You know, it starts with the group that's in there right now. But for us, it's all about looking for partnership, partners that can help us get us to where we need to go and do it in a way that's authentic and true to Atlanta when it comes down to it. Um. Development. We've heard a lot about that over the last right. few weeks, Mike. Development, development. And, and, you know, again, don't know what the development situation was with Nate. If there was any, don't know. Um, but they're saying, and, and I do believe this to be true, that Quinn has done this with other guys around the league and certainly with the Utah teams he, he coached for over the last six years where guys progressively got better. You know, I, I'm Mike, I'm a big believer because I've talked to other stars in this league that, you know, in the offseason, it's really up to you. Right. Like, if I got to get my left hand better, I got to get in the gym and get my left hand better. Like, I don't know if there's a coach that's going to be like, hey, get your left hand better. And he's like, all right, you just do what you need to do to get better. But if you're going to tell me that Quinn Snyder is going to set the course for some guys to continue to develop and, and be better so that our team can be better, I'm all for it. But I'm also a believer that a lot of these stars, I know Kobe was in the gym. Right. I know Mike was in the gym. Like, it, 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 Tim Duncan, I saw him in the gym. It's not that hard when you say, I need to get better at these things. Now, guys always say, can't you coach him up? You don't have time in the NBA. You just don't. People talk about it. That's why if somebody comes out straight from college, like a Trey Young coming out of Oklahoma or whoever it is, you've got to hope that they've gonna, they're going to mature quickly. And that's why some people say it takes five or six years for these guys to finally hit their stride. Because you don't have a chance. It, you're, not, you're sitting here going, you're going to go white shadow work and, uh, you know, all right, everybody, we're going to run suicides. Then we're... No, you're not, you're not teaching the chess pass, okay? <laughs> These guys have got to develop on the fly. I mean, Ant-Man's a perfect example. Anthony Edwards took a couple of years to develop. John Moran developed quick, more quickly maybe because his, more, a lot of his game is above the rim. But to your point, the, the, the good news is 
if they were, and we think they were, tuning out Nate and the message was flat, now you got a guy that's going to be a breath of fresh air. And combined to what they flat. just did these last two games <laughs> with an interim head coach, literally looked like a different squad. Now, the last two games before the All-Star break look like the Monstars had taken all their skills. So I, I think they're going to be so buoyed by Snyder and just a new fresh voice. Even if it's going to be a little limited, Carl, these first few games, yeah. you're going to love it. I, I totally agree. Our coverage, by the way, begins at 7 o'clock. Tips at 7.30 tonight. Steve Holman with the call. Bang! And our man Mike Conti with the pre-half and post for you starting at 7. Let's hear Quinn Snyder talking about building the program here. Guys, when they use this term, I mean, it sounds very collegiate. Mm, right. But you are. You know, whatever these elite teams are in the NBA, there is a culture and a program. And when guys come into that 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 room or that locker room, it's the same thing, Mike. It's 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 very collegiate when you say this, but I do think he's on to something talking about what he wants to build. You know, you go down the list of certain things that, that I think, you know, are, are part of building a program. I say program, you, you know, it's kind of excellence over a period of time. And that, that doesn't that doesn't mean um, that we're, we're, we're waiting to be competitive. This year is paramount to that because I think it's an opportunity, you know, anytime you're involved in a, an intense situation, whether it's success, failure, scrutiny, you, you can learn about one another and you have a chance to, to grow. So that's what he's trying to do. And I don't, again, it's not going to happen. I don't know how quickly it happens over the next 20 games. Here's what I do know, Mike. Wizards, Trailblazers, Heat, Heat, Wizards. Right. That's your next five. Now, you're on the road from Miami for the weekend, but that's your next five games. All of those games are very winnable with where we're at right, right. now. The Heat had lost four in a row. They actually just uh, won a game against, was it, the uh, Sixers. And uh, we'll see if they can, you know, take out the Heat. You said it. Now, the problem is, you know, that this is human nature. And I look, you you give me three. Imagine you tell me, you Carl, you and Mike are going down to Miami. You're going to work Friday and you're going to work Monday. How's that going to work out? We're going to screw well, around. Well, you know what we're getting into. Yeah, you're going to get a lot less productive show on the second day. <laughs> so let's see if they can turn that around. And also, the other thing we said, and maybe nobody wants to say it and sound like they're Billy Badass when you come in. Hey, there's a new sheriff in town. His name's Quinn Snyder. But Snyder, I think, is going to have a lot of input with Landry Fields and with Kyle Korver. So if you want to maintain your position with this organization, you're going to hustle. You're going to play well, or you might not be a Hawk next year. Now, maybe for John Collins, one way or the other, it's better just get the hell out of here and do something else. Mm. Or maybe Quinn Snyder finally finds the balance between him and Capella, and they can make more plays for this dude, and he becomes a guy who's worth 25 mil. Quinn Snyder was also talking about buying in and getting to his star player. How soon, you think he- how soon does that happen? I'm sorry, Chris, but how soon does that happen? Again, I think they've already had conversations um, about what they both want to get accomplished. That starts tonight against the Wizards. Here's Quinn Snyder. If you think you need, a player needs to do something to get better and he doesn't think it, they're not going to embrace it the way um, that you want them to, and it's not going to happen. So um, I, I think that process of – you know, really explaining why um, is important. And in Donovan's case, like Trey, I mean, they're, they're gifted players. And, uh, you know, I think understanding why um, really is, a, is foundational as far as um, getting someone to, to buy into what you're really you're, – it's not what you're doing, it's what, what you're doing together. It's not what you're doing, it's what you're doing together. It is a collaboration. There's no doubt. And if there's not a collaboration, Mike, 
then your team's not going to be moving in the direction it needs. Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> I mean, not just I'm excited <laughs> to see. It is kind of neat. And uh, we said this at the handoff talking to Andy Rende earlier today. When we got off the air last night, uh, John Chuckery, of course, your night times, he was kind of fixated on the fact that the Hawks spent so much money yeah. on this head coach, which is something which we really didn't spend time on. But I think you and I were both of the opinion, whatever you think of what this group is, Landry Fields with input from Nick Ressler and his guys, and Tony Ressler was the dude who eventually signed off on it. We we never knew how much Nate was making, not to get in his pocket, but based on NBA salaries, we figured it was around $4 million, maybe a little bit more. So you could argue you doubled Nate's salary, but you went with a guy who was going to get $8 million or more in the offseason. Anybody that was looking for a coach, everybody else, you talked about those great assistants that worked under Bud. This was a guy who's a proven commodity. So I do think it's pretty cool if you're looking to get a splashy hire. You did if you're trying to reinvigorate the franchise for this 21-game run and you're willing to spend $40 million. We never spent time on the coin, but I'm, I think he doesn't get us into the luxury tax, at least not yet, but that's a nice commitment from wrestler. I agree. Um, and I'm just not as – I'm not as caught up in how much Quinn Snyder is getting. I get the gist about mm. championship coaches making this kind of money. But, again, are you – this is what you're talking about with your friends? I, I don't, Mike. I got to be honest. Like, none of my friends called me in the last 48 hours and went, oh, my God, <laughs> Quinn is making how much? Dude, he's a veteran coach. He's been around the league. The resume speaks for itself. Right. You said it. Beat the competition. If this is what it costs to beat the competition, right. if it costs you an extra $1.5 million on the books to, mm. to, to beat the competition per year, then then you do it. But, yeah, I'm not, I'm not fixated on that. I'm more fixated on the things that he said and how he's going to fix the issues. Mm. And if he can't, Tony Russell will be finding another guy in four, three or four years. That's just where we are. And I know that guys that have won NBA championships are making north of eight, eight million and more, up to ten million. But this is a guy that uh, you know the, the, every year the cost of any, doing anything goes up, including hiring a new head coach. So you got a guy whose rep is solid. You talk more, and I think it's a lot of people think about the offense, how well they did defensively. And yes, Rudy Gobert is a unique kind of athlete that you know they had in Utah. But I still think this this could be this can be really good. And if nothing else, you're going to get a no BS assessment of what you have and what you don't have here, yeah. right? Yeah, totally are. It's Dukes and Bell. Follow us, guys. He's Mike Bell, A-T-L. I mean, put him up. See Dukes, this radio show is Dukes and Bell 929. Follow the radio station at 929 The Game. We are going to be at Ace Hardware, Old National Highway, South Side, South Fulton, guys, on Friday. Looking forward to seeing you guys out there. South Side, we're coming down your way. We are always making our way around the city. Uh, as we said today, we will not call anybody any names on this show. Not me personally. I don't care. I said that's a major question. Maybe we'll get some coverage out of this from Rodney Ho. I don't know, but we will be down there on the south side looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've been trying to get down there. These are the circumstances. And oh, by the way, as one of our listeners said, or get a grill. Oh, yeah. For Dukes and Bell tailgate at home. They sell those at Ace. Yeah. Squid Billy, by the way. Matter of fact, I got to check out. You know what? It's, you B- got me the, on this damn hey. buying all the grills, Bo. Bring your pickup truck, Joe. Yeah, yeah. bring your trucks. <laughs> and uh, come on down. Squid Billy will be giving some grilling uh, demonstrations, we believe. Is you know, buying grills a uh, squid and Carl-only vehicle? Yes, Mike no. Not allowed? He's, yes. Got, like, he's got more grills than I do now, I no, think. Again, this just like the, yeah, you're right. It's like the golf, I don't get invited. So Wait just, a you know, minute. I'll be, ta- I'll be talking about hoes in the gardening section uh, with the listeners. Turtles, see you trying to start stuff. Bo. You know what? 
Y'all are all invited to come out to one of uh, one of our courses. <laughs> they can play, but they can both play no. golf with us this weekend. Mike just can pick Turtle up on the way, so he doesn't ride his bicycle. We can play Saturday. We used to go to NASCAR race together. Now he never wants to go. Coming up, we're going to talk to Grant McCauley. Hey, Ian Anderson didn't look good today. We're going to ask Grant mm. what's going on. It's Dukes and Bell. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Let's talk to Grant McCauley about what happened today with our Braves. They lose 10-7 to the Twins. Again, these are spring training games, but you're working on things. And, Grant, I want to start with what is Ian mm-hmm. Anderson working on? What was the issue today? His stat line did not necessarily look great. Uh, four, what, four earned runs. He gave up uh, with three walks, uh, one and one-third innings pitched. What's going on with Ian mm-hmm. today? Well, I think as much as anything and as much as you want to say, hey, spring training numbers kind of put him to the side. How'd the guy feel? Is he healthy? And what's he working on for that next start? When you go back to Ian Anderson, he's been working on things for a while. Last year was a season that very much did not go the way he wanted to. So when he went home in the offseason, it was about getting healthy because he had an oblique injury at the end of the year. But he also added a slider to his pitch mix. And that, I think, to answer the question is, what is Ian Anderson working on? That's the, the pitch that he feels is going to give him that extra dimension in his arsenal. It did not really translate as far as the results in the first game. He gave up four runs, a leadoff home run got a couple of outs, then walked two batters, then gave up a three-run homer, then ended up getting himself pulled out of the first inning. But in spring training, you can go back out in the second. So he did that, got a couple more guys out, issued another walk. So the command just wasn't there. And I think that if there's anything that will really start to help Ian Anderson unlock his potential to be back to what he was in 2020 and in 2021, it's going to be fastball command, getting ahead of hitters, and then being able to use his very effective changeup and mix in two breaking balls, the curveball that he's thrown at times and the slider that he's offering that he told me is going to be helpful because it breaks a different direction from his changeup and could help him with right-handed batters especially. Grant, just for the listeners, I know most of the guys know about this stuff, but they work on things in spring training, right? It's not like mm-hmm. you guys are sitting there like, I'm going to pretend this is July in a pennant race. I mean, it's they, <laughs> they're working on new pitches. We've talked to Anderson, for instance, with the slider. So there, there are some things you see. But we did see a fantastic outing from Max Fried and Strider over the weekend. Yeah, we did, and I think that you always feel good when your top pitchers are out there doing the things that you're accustomed to seeing them do. Max Fried struck out four over two scoreless innings, Spencer Strider with a couple of strikeouts and his two scoreless innings, and in that game we also saw what looks to be very much what 80% of the Braves' opening day lineup, and that was a good game. This is one of those where not only are they working on things, but you know, you also don't get quite the same lineup when you go on the road. Nobody really likes to travel all together that much, even if you only have to go about an hour. But, yeah, the results in spring training, it's kind of a mixed bag. I mean, yeah, everybody from a point of pride would like to go out there and throw scoreless innings and pick up a couple of base hits and do the things you're accustomed to doing. But this is very much a work in progress. And if I may be allowed, at least for the first week or so, to say it is still early in spring training. And, you know, you'll give guys time to work through a few things. So... Von Grissom today, right? Three at-bats, three hits, two RBI. I don't want to get ahead of myself to your point about spring training, 
but do you mm-hmm. feel like he looks the part? Is he getting the work in that he needs? And, and where would you assess him right now, again, early in spring training? Yeah, really, the, the work that he put in over the course of the winter, when I got to you know see Vaughn working down in spring training this past week and hear from him, he really hasn't stopped since the season was over last year. So I think he was just itching to get into these games, and now we're seeing exactly why. He's gone out there. He's made all the plays thus far. I think he's looked pretty comfortable with shortstop, and he's picking up a, a good bunch of base hits, three more today, a double, knocked in a run, a couple of singles. And I've never really felt like he has bad – he didn't give away a lot of at-bats last year. Even when he was slumping, he still would work counts. He just wasn't getting that final result that he wants to. And I think that's something that's kind of an underrated part of his game – but as far as his focus in spring training and all that work and, and everything that he did over the course of the winter, it's just about proving himself, you know, kind of passing the eye test in spring training that, hey, this kid looks like he's up to the job. He is making the plays. We believe in the bat, and we're going to give him that opportunity. And thus far, the early results are very promising. It is our man, Grant McCauley, talking about the Bravos. And again, we'll wait and see how this uh, lack of Dansby is going to translate. I know I asked you last week about Vaughn Grissom. How's Vaughn Grissom look? Yeah, I mean, Vaughn, I, I think, looks fine. And and I think one of the things that he's able to benefit from is the fact that, you know, he's not a guy that has to be the centerpiece of this show. He's not a long-tenured member of this team that's counted on to come in, and if he doesn't produce, then, you know, what are you going to do without him? So I feel like that's kind of something that works in his advantage as well. He's just able to be a piece of this club rather than the centerpiece of this club. We're talking with Grant McCauley, guys. We do it uh... – a couple of times a week now. We'll do it every day for the most part once the season gets rolling. Grant, what are guys saying about the new rules and all that that's happening? What's been the biggest conversation? Is it the bases? Is it the pitch clock? What are guys saying about these adjustments they're having to make? Like, what's the one thing that you're hearing? It's got to be pitch clock, you know, number one. And I think that we had that crazy game, you know, the Braves' very first game you come out, and it's like that that's crazy hypothetical of, well, what are they going to do with two outs in the ninth inning in a tie game with the bases loaded? And are they going to let this thing decide a game? Well, apparently they are, at least in spring training. I hope to never see that in the regular season. But that adjustment, I think, for both sides, for the pitchers, for their pace, and for the batters, I guess, for their awareness of what's going on, that's the big thing that I think everybody's just trying to get really keyed in on. The bases, you know, Vaughn Grissom actually said that he was among the first players that uh, played with the larger bases when he was in the Gulf Coast League uh, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. He said it was actually weird to go back to small bases after playing with the bigger bases, but you don't really notice it after a few weeks. So I expect that to be a little less of a, of a talking point. I mean, there'll probably be plays where we'll see that there's, you know, baseball being the game of inches. Well, the bigger base helped there. It helped him beat that throw to second base. It helped this guy have a little bit more of a, a target, I guess, if you're the pitcher covering first to get to the bag right before the hitter. There'll be some bang-bang plays, I think, that'll be affected by that. But for the most part, that should pretty much look and feel like baseball. It's just going to take a little while to get used to this new pace of play, which I'm not opposed to, but I would like to, you know, see some common sense and I guess maybe some uh, continued evolution of this as we find out some things that maybe don't work quite as smoothly as uh, perhaps we'd all like to see. Grant McCall is with us as we're talking about these new rules. I mean, we saw it, I guess, was uh, over the weekend against the Red Sox, Grant, when somebody didn't get engaged with the pitcher quickly enough. Yeah. Uh, I know that Max Scherzer made the comments over the weekend saying that it's going to be advantage pitching uh, in this. What do you think so far? How the pitch clock is going to affect things to start? 
I don't know that it's really going to affect the the hitters altogether that much. I mean, I know that the you know the Cal Conley play against Boston was something that you know we all looked at. I mean, I tweeted it out. I mean, that's a brutal finish for a game to be decided that way. And you're looking at it, and I watched the replay a few times. You got the catcher standing up back there. I mean, Conley's already looked at the pitcher, and then he looks down, then he looks back up, then the umpire calls an automatic strike, and I'm just like, what are we doing here? Is kind of my question, but I don't think it gives real advantage to the pitcher. I think as much as anything, they have to adjust to the little nuances and things that they're used to being able to do when they weren't governed at all by a clock. And I asked Matt Olson about a lot of these rule changes and the pitch clock in particular, and he said as a hitter, I don't know that it really affects me or really any of us that much because it's not like I'd step out a whole bunch and take a stroll around. I mean, if you foul the ball off your foot, clearly the umpire is not going to start a 15-second pitch clock to make you jump back in there. I mean, you'll be able to call time. Those are kind of the little things. I mean, a bug flies in somebody's eye. I mean, we play outdoors in the summer. Stuff's going to happen. So uh, I think that those are the kind of things that we'll just have to kind of see it. And as Brian Snicker was saying time and time again, we're going to have to live this to really start to understand all the applications of this. But I'm glad we're doing it in spring training and not being thrown into this in a regular season situation without any time to adjust. Grant, the bobblehead dates came out. Are you excited about that outcast bobblehead? Do you? What, what's your Man, favorite bobblehead? You you may already know that Twitter might have provided a small spoiler. That outcast bobblehead, that's going to be sought after. I can't wait to add that one to my collection. But there's a 1993 press box fire Ron Gant bobblehead (laughs) that as the kid growing up watching the Braves, I mean, I remember that game and that day, the, the Fred McGriff game. As as vividly as anything I remember of being a young Braves fan, it's just one of those moments that you don't forget. So the Ron Gant standing in front of the press box fire, I'm excited about that one. Fired up, if you will, pardon the pun. I saw your tweet this morning about it. I said, Grant, the only way that thing's any better is if it doubles as a cigarette lighter. <laughs> if you could make it a cigarette lighter or maybe maybe an ashtray, I don't know, right, the, right. The, the whole ballpark, or I don't know. But it's it's pretty great looking, I'll say that. And the Braves, they've, they've sent out another huge lineup of bobbleheads. I'm going to run out of shelf space for all this stuff. It's always fun, man, to look back and see all the great bobbleheads that have come and, and gone. This is going to be a great lineup. Uh, we were talking about it earlier. That's what we're asking, Grant. If you don't know, it's out there if you want to go check out the Braves' dates and whatnot. But those are going to be hot items. Hey, man, we appreciate you jumping on, as always. Again, Braves lose today, but they're working on things in spring training, and we're more concerned with the player development and how guys look and what this team's going to look like. We're still trying to figure it out. Grant, thanks so much. We'll talk to you in a few days, man. You got it, guys. Can't wait. All right, that's Grant McCauley. Follow him, by the way, and uh, he's on the weekends as well. Hey, we're going to talk some combine, Mike, coming up at 620. We uh, have a guy that is on the scene, and he has been covering the combine for a long time. And one of the things is these workouts start, you're going to hear hear some names pop. We'll go over some of this stuff because Chuck Smith was talking with us earlier about some of the names. Yeah, there's a couple of dudes, and we'll see because I want I want the best edge rusher, but is the best edge rusher going to be worth selecting at eight? You know, other than maybe Will Anderson. We'll find out. All right, that's on the way in the 6 o'clock hour. It's Dukes and Bell.